Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, almost a month ago, uh, we kicked off this series that we're in uh, called Help My Unbelief. It's a seven-part series, and in the seven-part series, our congregation is exploring, uh, we are grappling with difficult questions of faith. And so the first question that we looked at had to do with Christian behavior. Why are Christians hypocrites? The second question had to do with God's relationship to human freedom. Is free will worth all the suffering? Um, Last week's question that Pastor Will looked at um, had to do with the Bible, Scripture. Um, Isn't the Bible full of myths? And then today's question has to do with prayer. Why would an all-powerful God require prayer? Why would an all-powerful God require prayer? Uh, I'll never forget a brief conversation I had about prayer with a young father. Uh, This happened four years ago. Uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks back that when Hannah and Noah, our twins, were born, uh, they're four years old now, uh, but when they were born, uh, they were premature. Uh, they came at 32 weeks. And so because of that, they had to spend a whole month in the NICU, uh, the neonatal intensive care unit. And the NICU that they were sent to uh, by the ambulance was located about 45 minutes from our house at the time. And they were in the NICU for a month, like I said. Well, about two or three weeks into their stay at the NICU, I was walking past the room that was immediately next to Hannah Noah's room, and there was a newborn who had just been moved in there. And uh, the door was open, and I couldn't help but notice inside uh, there was a father, and he was just nervously pacing back and forth. He seemed very anxious. And so uh, later on that evening, Amanda and I were in the lobby area and uh, saw this father, and so we went up and we introduced ourselves and we said that we were in the next room, and we asked him if everything was okay. And that's when he proceeded to tell us a bit about his story. He said, my wife and I live in Melbourne, over on the East Coast. It's about an hour away from the hospital. And our baby came early. This wasn't supposed to happen. We didn't think this was going to happen, but it happened. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure where I should be right now, because my wife is still in the hospital in Melbourne. Meanwhile, our baby is here. And I feel torn between both places. And I could relate to what he was saying in some sense, because a similar thing happened to us. Amanda was in the hospital. She was recovering. Meanwhile, Hannah and Noah were 45 minutes away in the NICU. So we listened to this father. We offered him our love, our support. And then as the conversation began to wrap up, um, I just felt led to say to this guy, I said, listen, uh, my wife and I, uh, we are people of faith. And if it's okay with you, we would like to keep your family in our prayers. And the man seemed kind of taken aback, and he said, well... I'm not a religious person. I believe in science. And I said to the guy, well, we believe in science too. To be honest with you, I thought to myself, Hannah and O wouldn't be here in the hospital if we didn't believe in science. I didn't say that part. But I said, we believe in science, but we also believe in prayer. And, it, and again, if it's okay with you, we would like to keep your family in our prayers. And the man kind of threw up his arms and he said, sure. Why not? Guess it couldn't hurt. And it occurs to me, 
And I still remember that conversation four years later. But it occurs to me, that's how a lot of people approach prayer. I guess it couldn't hurt. And so we offer our prayers to God, don't we? Uh, knowing it's not going to hurt, it's not going to harm anything, but at the same time, we can't help but wonder if our prayers are making any difference, having any effect at all. And then beyond the efficacy of prayer, we also wonder about the purpose of prayer, don't we? Why do we pray? Seriously, why do we pray? I mean, if God already knows everything, and if God knows what's on our hearts, even before we ask God, which is what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, God knows what's on our hearts before we ask God, well then, what's the point of telling God all of these things through prayer? It's not as if we're bringing new information to God. It's not as if we're telling God something that God doesn't already know. God knows everything. And furthermore, if God is all good, then God wants the best for us. And if God is all powerful, then God is capable of achieving the best for us. And so it stands to reason that God would already be doing as much as God can for us like bring healing to a baby in the hospital. Why should we pray for that baby's healing? Shouldn't God be offering that healing regardless of our prayers? These are the questions that we wonder about. Um, there was a student at Princeton Seminary uh, many years ago who was working on his doctoral dissertation. Well, Princeton University is located just across the street from the seminary. And so he went to the university and he ran into Dr. Albert Einstein, who was teaching at Princeton at that time. And the student asked Dr. Einstein, if there was anything left in the world for original dissertation research. And this is what Einstein said. He said, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. And so folks, that's what we're gonna do this morning. We're not gonna write a dissertation, don't worry about that. But we are, by the grace of God, gonna do our very best to look at scripture and find out about prayer. And so if you are somebody who is here this morning, if you've ever had questions about prayer, if you've ever been curious about prayer, if you've ever wondered about prayer, listen carefully. This is a sermon for you. And so, as we dive into this conversation, um, I want to begin by stating something that I've said um, a number of times in the past, in the year that I've been at Asbury. And so this is not going to be new information, but it bears repeating. The primary reason God made us, and this is up on the screen, the primary reason God made us, the primary reason God created us, the primary reason God put us on this planet is to be in a relationship with us. That is God's top agenda for us. That is God's highest priority for us as human beings, to be in a relationship with us. Um, God is love, as the Apostle John says in 1 John 4. Uh, we talked about that text two weeks ago. Uh, the writer says that God is love, and out of this love, God called human beings into existence because God wanted us to be creatures who could share in God's love. And the way that you and I share in God's love is by having a relationship with God. God essentially made us for relationship. And everything God does, every action of God is about developing this relationship, facilitating this relationship, and that includes prayer. The real purpose of prayer is not to ask for things. That's not the real purpose of prayer. The real purpose of prayer is to develop a loving relationship with God, the one who made, created, redeemed, and sustains us. What kind of relationship would I have with Amanda, who's sitting over there, what kind of relationship would I have with Amanda if she and I never spoke? If we never talked to each other? If we never hung out together? We wouldn't have any relationship at all. Well, similarly, this relationship that you and I have with God, this relationship that God invites us into, 
by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This relationship needs to be developed. And prayer is the avenue that develops this relationship. Prayer is what allows us as human beings to be with God, to sit with God, to crawl into God's lap, to commune with God as we were designed. And Jesus, when he was with us on earth 2,000 years ago, Jesus modeled to us the importance of living life prayerfully with God. And so with that said, I want us to look at our first scripture passage, uh, which is taken from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 9. Uh, this is a healing story. It's a story in which Jesus healed somebody. And so listen to this story, and I want to show how this story demonstrates uh, the fact that Jesus modeled to us the importance of living life prayerfully with God. And so this is what it says, Mark 9, uh, beginning in verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said to Jesus, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, that would be the disciples, uh, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed. What do you think the scream sounded like? Awful? I was hoping for like a demonstration. <coughs> Something like that, right? Just to make sure y'all are awake. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. Imagine being one of the witnesses and just watching all this. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And then here's the kicker. Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Hang on to those words. This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, here's what's interesting about the story, and I'm sure we've all heard this story before if we've been in church for a while. Here's what's interesting about the story that we often miss. Jesus says that this kind of evil spirit or demon, uh, this kind of evil spirit can only be cast out by prayer. Where in the story does Jesus pray? Do we need to read it again? Where in the story does Jesus pray? He doesn't appear to pray, does he? At least not in the manner that we're used to. He doesn't fold his hands, close his eyes, bow his head. And if he does do these things, Mark doesn't tell us. And so I can't help but wonder if something more is going on here. That prayer isn't so much what we're doing with our head and our hands. Prayer is what is going on in our hearts. Prayer is not so much what we're doing with our head and our hands. Prayer is what's going on in our hearts. Are we living life in union with God? You see, there was never a moment, there was never a time in which Jesus didn't live life in union with God. He was always in sync with the Father. And Jesus is saying to us that if you want to do my work in the world, if you want to allow the power of God to move through you, then you have to be in sync with God. 
And so there's a good definition of prayer. Prayer is what syncs us with God. Does anybody here have a smartphone and a car with Bluetooth? How many of you have a smartphone and a car with Bluetooth, right? A lot of you do. Well, if you do, then you probably have the ability to do what? To sync your phone with your car. And so to give us an idea of how this works, this is my iPhone. And my iPhone is synced up with our 2018 Toyota RAV4. Now, my 2011 Corolla doesn't have this feature, but our RAV4 does. And sometimes I'm not even aware of how good the sync is between the phone and the car. So um, not this last Friday, but the Friday before, I was on the phone with somebody in our church, and I was out in the front yard, and I was taking the call, and I was listening to this person. Well, all of a sudden, uh, he was in the middle of a sentence, this guy was. I couldn't hear him anymore. And I thought, what happened? Did the call drop? Did, did I get disconnected? Did he get disconnected? Then I looked at my phone, and I immediately realized what had happened. At that same time that I was taking the call, Amanda had just gotten in the car, and she was pulling out of the driveway to pick Hannah up from the learning center that afternoon. And so what happened was uh, the phone assumed that I was the one driving the car, not Amanda, but me. And so the call began to play automatically through the car's speakers. That's how good the sync was between the phone and the car. Prayer is what syncs us with God. We don't always have to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed when we pray. We could pray in the car with our eyes open, can't we? In fact, if we're going to pray in the car, I recommend that our eyes be open. That's a, that's a really good thing. The main thing, though, is our overall disposition. What's going on in our hearts? The fact that we're inviting God in in each and every moment of the day. That's why the Apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul tells us to pray what? Without ceasing. Now, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Does it mean that we're always walking around like this? Heads bowed, hands folded, eyes closed? No. It means that our lives embody a state of prayer. In each and every moment, we are saying yes to God. Uh, we are allowing God to move in us and through us. We are embracing the relationship for which God created us. Well, shifting gears a little bit, it's into this relationship for which God created us that prayer develops. It's into this relationship that God invites us to make our request known to God. Um, this is what we call petitionary prayer, uh, giving God our petitions, making our request known to God. And so another passage we're going to look at is taken from Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 6. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now here's a question. Why should we tell God what we need? God already knows what we need. What's the point of making our request known to God if God already knows the nature of these requests. Because what does God want with human beings more than anything else in this universe? What is God's top priority for us? What is God's highest agenda for us? A relationship, we've said this already. But folks, here's the deal. A relationship only works 
if both parties have a degree of power. Imagine playing a board game with somebody, but only one of you is making all the moves. That wouldn't facilitate a relationship. In order for the relationship to happen, both parties have to make moves. Both parties have to take turns. Both parties have to have influence. And so here's what God does in prayer. This is really remarkable. This is really incredible stuff. Um, because think about this. We're talking about God and human beings. These are not two equal parties. So here's what God does in prayer. God empowers us in the process of praying to influence God to a degree and have a say in the universe. You see, it's not that God needs our prayers. We're talking about God here who spoke all this into being. God doesn't need our prayers. God wants our prayers. God desires our prayers. God desires our prayers so much that God empowers you and me in the process of praying. And actually, in the Bible, uh, we see examples of this, of God empowering human beings. Uh, think about the story of Adam, the first man, the book of Genesis. God creates Adam, puts them together. One of the first things that Adam does, um, God tells him to do what? To name all the animals. Now, God could have named the animals himself, but God wanted Adam to name them. Why? Because to name something is to exercise power over that thing. God wanted Adam to be empowered. And similarly, God wants us to be empowered. And so God empowers us through prayer uh, to influence God to a degree and to have a say in the universe. And this is mind-boggling to me. This blows my mind because it means that our prayers matter. Yes, our prayers matter. I know there are times and there are moments when it seems as if our prayers don't matter, but in God's economy, they do. They really do. Now, it doesn't mean that God will always respond to our prayers exactly as we want him to. Uh, we all know that's true, that God doesn't always respond to our prayers exactly as we want him to. But at the very least, it means that God hears our prayers, takes them into account. God takes prayers seriously. In fact, God takes prayer so seriously, this is up on the screen, God takes prayer so seriously that prayer is the primary channel through which God chooses to unleash his power in the world. Prayer is the primary channel through which God chooses to unleash his power in the world. God could unleash his power without prayer, and occasionally God does do that, but God chooses to use prayer primarily because God wants to involve you and me in the process. In fact, that's why God will even go so far as to put people in situations on our hearts to pray for, even though we're not sure why we're praying for these things. Has that ever happened to you before? You found yourself praying for a person or a situation, and you weren't exactly sure why? My mom was a person of deep, and profound prayer. And so when I was growing up, every morning, my mom would be the first person awake, and she would go to the back of the house, and she would spend about an hour in prayer. Well, one time when I was about 12, 13 years old, I woke up, and I saw my mom. She was on her knees in prayer. And then later on that morning, as we were having breakfast, uh, she said to me, you know, Christopher, when I woke up today, I just had this really strong sense, that this conviction in my gut that I had to pray for Joanne. Joanne was a member of my mom's small group at the church. 
And I really didn't think much of it when she said that. Well, then what happened later on that day is my mom was running some errands, and all of a sudden, the phone rang. And so I picked it up and answered it, and it was my mom's friend, Barbara. Barbara was also a member of the small group uh, that my mom and Joanne was a part of. And Barbara said, is your mom there? And I said, no, she's running some errands right now with my sister. Can I take a message? Do you remember taking messages for people before cell phones? Anybody remember that? And she said, yes. When your mom gets home, I want you to tell her that Joanne is in the hospital. She was taken by ambulance early this morning. And the time that Barbara gave me for when Joanne was taken to the hospital was the exact same time that my mom told me she felt led to get out of bed and to pray for Joanne. When Barbara said that, I got goosebumps. God considered prayer to be so vital and so important that God put Joanne on my mom's heart that day, even though my mom wasn't sure why. Now, some people might chalk that up as a coincidence, but to people of faith, there are no coincidences. Only God incidences. No coincidences. Only God incidences. God wants us to be empowered in the process of praying. So God uses our prayers, God uses your prayers and my prayers to intervene and to change circumstances. But the final point I want to bring out this morning is that God also uses prayer to gift us with peace, no matter how the circumstances turn out. Earlier we read from Philippians 4, verse 6, well, this is what Paul writes in the very next verse after he talks about making our request known to God. So he says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything, uh, do that. And then he says this in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How many times does Paul use the word peace here? Twice. So does God give us the ability to influence God to a degree through prayer, to have a say in this universe? Does God use our prayers to change situations and circumstances? Yes, we've already said that. But what about when the circumstances don't change? Well, when that happens, we don't have some God who is far away. And we've all been in these situations where the circumstance doesn't change. The cancer doesn't go away. The prognosis stays bad. The marriage falls apart. But we don't have a God who abandons us or forsakes us. We have a God who ministers to us. A God who, through Jesus Christ, infuses us with peace. Peace that, as Paul says, goes beyond any comprehension. Peace that can only be found when our life is so intimately tied up with God's life that we are completely in sync and inseparable. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you know that name. Uh, he was a pastor and a theologian uh, back in the 1930s and 40s. Well, he was one of the principal leaders of the Confessing Church. Uh, the Confessing Church was a group of Christians that broke away from the German Protestant Church during World War II when Hitler and the Nazis seized the Protestant church and began to Nazify it. Uh, Bonhoeffer was adamantly opposed to what Hitler and the Nazis were doing. 
He spoke out against them. In fact, at one point, he tried to overthrow them, and that was a very dangerous thing to do. And so eventually, he was arrested, and he was put inside a concentration camp, and he was sentenced to death. Well, before he was executed, he was inside his prison cell at the concentration camp, and all of a sudden, he could hear the cries of a prisoner in the adjacent cell. And so Bonhoeffer called out to the man. He couldn't see him, but he knew he was there, and he called out to him. He said, sir, my name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I'm a pastor. I want you to know that you are not alone. I am here, and God is here. I would very much like to pray with you. And the man called back, and he said, I don't believe in God. Well, at that same time, there was a Nazi soldier who was walking by, and he saw what Bonhoeffer was trying to do. And in a very arrogant and smug way, the Nazi soldier looks at Bonhoeffer, and he says, Kitchener, don't waste your time with that guy. He's going to be executed any day now. Bonhoeffer was undeterred. And so he said to the man, Sir, my hands are right up here against the wall. I invite you to place your hands up against the wall, just opposite of my own, and I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. No hands appeared, but Bonhoeffer prayed anyway. This is what he prayed. He said, Lord, it is dark in me, in you is day. I am alone, but you will stay. I am afraid you never cease. I am at war, in you is peace. Just then, a pair of hands began to emerge, and Bonhoeffer said, Amen. The very next morning, Bonhoeffer could hear a gunshot, and then sometime later, that same German guard came by, and, but this time he was less arrogant and smug, less cynical, and he said to Bonhoeffer, I want you to know, that gentleman that you prayed with yesterday, Kitchener, he was executed. He died peacefully, and it surprised everybody. It doesn't surprise me, and it shouldn't surprise any of us. Because for those who live in Jesus Christ, God's perfect peace is always available, no matter the circumstance or how the situation turns out. Through prayer, God syncs us with himself God empowers us as we engage with him, and God gives us with peace that goes beyond understanding. What a remarkable, incredible channel prayer is. Thanks be to our God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, with all that said, let's pray. Oh God, we uh, start this prayer this morning by confessing that we don't pray as often as we could or should. God, you give us far more than we desire or deserve. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this deep and desperate desire that you have to be in relationship with all of us as human beings. In fact, you desire this relationship so much, recognizing that that you and ourselves, that we are not equal, 
you give us prayer. You, you, you give us this channel by which we can crawl into your lap and we can lay before you our concerns, our needs, our worries, our anxieties. And God, above all, through this channel, we engage with you. We relate with you. We do the very thing for which we were made. So God, I pray that after hearing this message that all of us would indeed live prayerfully with you. Uh, that we would open ourselves up each moment to your grace, your power, your glory in our lives. That we would surrender to you. And God, that you would continue to use this channel to infuse us with peace. To mold us and shape us into being your perfect children. We love you so much. And we're so grateful for your amazing love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.